Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters podcast. This is episode 187, uh, the real 187. Uh, <laughs> we think SoundCloud messed up something with the counting, but this is actually, in fact, episode 187. Uh, you've got Chris and Brian, and this time around, we're going to talk about um, the differences between competition and training when it comes to shooting, and then also how to keep your training sessions from turning into competitions, um, provided you're training with multiple individuals. Absolutely. Um, guys, th- this is, you know, as, as guys who view ourselves as defensive shooters, and, and I'll say this specifically about me, I won't throw Brian under the bus with my mea culpa, um, but there's this reality check that, that I used to kind of poo-poo competition um, because you learn bad habits that will get you killed in the streets kind of BS, and, and I overcame that years and years and years ago. Um, but there was a period there where I just thought, you know, it's really bad advice because you have – um, some types of competition like IDPA where they tell you, you know, hey, you know, you can expose half of your upper torso, blah, 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 blah. Um, there's there's a reality check to, yes, there are some bad habits there and some scars there, but I think that the benefits of putting yourself in an environment where you're challenging yourself, um, maybe creating a little bit of angst, a little bit of pressure because there's the mind eraser, the timer going – for your peers watching, yeah. uh, maybe people you don't know watching that you want to be better than them because you just think you're better than them and you maybe haven't earned it or maybe you have at some point. I don't know. You find out though, don't you? And that's so. I think there are some very very good things about going out and shooting competition. Um, and so I've I've kind of stopped picking on IDPA and some of the silly little rules and said, hey, go work around some of the silly little rules at IDPA. Um, and with USPSA, um, the rules are go fast and don't suck. I mean, that's literally the rules for USPSA. And then there's these little things on the ground that you can't step over and stuff like yeah. that. I don't know. Anyway, um, and, and those things are important to those guys. Um, but getting out there and getting in front of your peers, getting in front of other people. And this is where you are benchmarking yourself against other people. You are absolutely, where do you fall? You'll get metrics as to where you are within that group of people. Yeah. And sometimes at USPSA, you can be in a group of people that are extremely high level, even on a local level. Um, and kind of give yourself an idea of where you stand there and understand that that's not a gunfight. The hard skills required to win a USPSA match or the hard skills required to win an IDPA match um, are the exact same hard skills that are required to win a gunfight. So when we talk hard skills, drilling hard skills until you can't get them wrong, um, that's a great place to do it. So if you're listening to this going, well, I thought you guys were against that, um, that was a long time ago. Uh, we've, we've changed our tune. So, again, I have anyway. So, um, so just throwing that out there to begin the conversation. Yeah. Uh, if you think of, you know, a match, everybody shoots the same drill. You yep. get one run at it. Yep. Um, you got to do it cold. And on demand. On demand, yeah. Yeah. And then we have, you know, again, as Chris was saying, you know, benchmarks, we've, we've scored targets for accuracy. And then we have a total time, so we can get a hit factor for whatever the given drill is. Yeah. Um, and you will quickly realize where your skill set is um, against against that group of peers. Against that group of peers. Yeah. Um, and 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 also understand too. I mean, I'm, and I'm not saying that like you should be striving to go go to a a regionals match and smoke the the local leader. Um, you should be going and to try and beat yourself every time, but it does give you your standing. It gives you a rough idea. Yeah. Of, well, it gives you a very precise idea of where you stand within that group of people. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, and depending on, you know, if we're shooting, say we take classifiers out of uh, some of these different sports, whether that be the, like the IDPA, mm-hmm. kind of the, the classifier stage, which I think they just run the one. Yeah. And then, you know, USPSA has, I don't know, a couple hundred different classifiers. Um, you can kind of get a feel for what's actually 
call where you stack on the classifier, which ultimately kind of lends itself to like what's possible when you look at the limits of like human biomechanics and True. visual processing. Yeah, especially within shooting as a sport specifically. But I think some of those, I think some of the metrics carry over when you talk reaction time, um, yeah. movement, and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. So I, I've never shot a USPSA classifier. I don't, I don't even know what they are. Matter of fact, I've only shot a few USPSA matches ever, and those were a long time ago. Yeah. The IDPA classifier is something you can train your train to and practice to. Um, but the reality check is, if that's all you train yourself to do. Um, it's not necessarily like a hard skills beater kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so you may be training yourself to, to outclass yourself as a shooter if that's all you practice. It's kind of like practicing um, a build drill over and over again or a El Prez over and over again or a fast test over and over again. The intent of that specific drill is to set a metric. It's not to become good at that drill. It's, to, it's uh, okay, what do I need to practice? Identify within the drill what you need to yeah. practice and go get better at that hard skill. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, we end up just shooting for trinkets. <laughs> and and trinkets can be cool. Um, trinkets can what for whatever reason. Um, if we could talk to the match directors out there, um, stop putting Smith and Wesson M and P's on the prize table because everybody just gives them away. Um, it is nice for us as a gun store to get used M and P's that have never been fired because somebody won it in a match. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, but otherwise, I don't know. I don't know what it is about that. But anyway, just PSA. Mm -hmm. Carry on. Yeah. Uh, so then to talk about training, uh, look at training as either kind of two different types of training. Um, we either have classes um, where we're going and paying money to some sort of instructor, be that an actual instructor or just an Instagram instructor. Or entertainment. Yeah. You know. uh, and then, you know, taking our own practice sessions with um, planning and kind of a curriculum in mind, you know, and then running through that program, be that on your own or with your buddies. Yeah. Um, so training is not competition. Yep. Um, training is where you, you know, learn and refine your hard skills. Uh, unfortunately, training a lot of times can turn into competition. Yeah. Uh, whether that be, you know, an instructor has whatever their shooting for trinkets drill is. Yeah. Um, that everybody wants to win. Or you know, guys a lot of times want to win the class. Yeah. Um, you don't you don't win classes. You come out with more knowledge than you entered in with. Yeah, and in in part of what you see, um, you know, we we've got some. I, I and and I, I I'm going to pick on him, and I think if he were here though, he'd agree with me. So I'm going to pick on him. Uh, we had one of our guys go to um, a class that uh, the instructor who who unfortunately the fast drill Todd Green. Um, went to one of his classes and, and was really pushing for that fast test to win that fast test. And I think would say that, you know, probably outran his headlights and dropped that shot. And it was one of those like, ah, kind of moments because yeah. there's ego on the line. You're in front of people. Um, and, and this guy's, this guy shoots splits that are unfreaking believable. And, and is quite honestly, mechanically as a shooter is ridiculously sound when he's keeping his reps up and doing his thing. Um, but I mean, everything he does like is just, it's it's like by rote method. It's it's perfect. Draw strokes perfect. Mm -hmm. Press outs perfect. Trigger press generally is perfect. If the grip's there, then he's on, and it's fun to watch. Um, and and he can run splits that are just freaking stupid. And in the class, dumped a shot, and it was probably trying to outrun. It was probably trying to outrun, wanting to win, versus going. Okay, I'm going to do what I do and just be that method man and be perfect yeah. with this, which probably would have gotten him there. Um, maybe, maybe not. You never know, right? You might have, if you didn't drop the shot, then you're off by two tenths of a second, and yeah. shit, you didn't get it anyway. 
but the you know it is it, when that part of the class comes up, it's definitely a bragging rights part of the class. Um, I think the one thing that it does is it applies pressure to you again, like the competition aspect of the mind eraser you're doing in front of your peers and all this fun stuff. Um, and that, so it's not to say that there's nothing to be gained from it, but when you get into when you take that mentality home from that class and then apply it to your training group and you don't want to be the slowest guy in the training group or you don't want to be in the middle of the pack, you want to be in the top of the pack. And the point of a drill is to run a cadence and to see what your sights look like under a certain cadence or to see what your transitions look like under a certain cadence. And you're not at that. OK, let's run this at 80 percent. Let's run it at 90 percent. Let's run it at 95 percent. Let's run it where the wheels fall off and then back it off to that 90 to 95 percent place to train that maximal training place where yeah. you get the most forward motion of your skill set. But that guy's still trying to run his wheels off because he doesn't want to be last or doesn't want to be in the middle of the pack, wants to be in the front of the pack. Are you getting out of those drills what you should be getting out of those drills? Probably not. Probably not. And and that's and so when you and and, and guys, I, mea culpa again. This is absolutely something I've been guilty of. Um, you're right there with the rest of the pack, which I'm normally not. I'm normally in the middle of the pack. I'm not normally at the head of it. Um, but you find those moments of brilliance where you're shooting well, or a drill is something that's up your alley, and I'm trying to keep up with you, or trying to keep up with Mac J, or trying to keep up with Andrew, and and you're like, okay. And sometimes you have to just kind of say, stop. The point of the drill is not to keep up with somebody. The point of the drill is to hone the skill, the hard skill, then let's do that. And I, I think, you, you know, don't, don't, in this point, it's not top gun. You're not writing checks. Your ego can't cash. You know, it's not that. It's just that it, it is the wanting to be somewhere that you're probably not ready to be yet because you simply haven't paid the dues or hard to swallow. You're just not that good. And sometimes I'm just not that good. Yeah. Which sucks, but that's why I'm out there training at the same time. So, yeah. Um, the the worst part of this that I see, some people have a mentality where they can go and where their wheels fall off and fumble the drill, and they can go, they can kind of laugh about it and go, okay, I'll, I'll back off. And maybe their ego will let them back off. Maybe it won't. But then some folks, when the wheels fall off, they can't put it back together because they're pissed off or because it gets yeah. inside their head. And, and I would, you know, so I call that like the footsteps mentality. You're that, you're that, um, you're that tight end who's gotten clobbered across the middle on the slant passes a couple of times by the linebacker and you hear footsteps every time you go out now. So you're looking. And so if you get in that point inside your head where mentally you, you get the yips and the wheels fall off, then you may lose a training night or a big chunk of a training night. And if that drives you, to try harder in between and do more dry fire or whatever, that's fine. Um, but if you find yourself throwing your golf clubs in the lake and you're only halfway through the round of golf, you don't have clubs to play with. Yeah, or your mags in the pond. Did, did, did it do you any good? Yeah, did it do you any good? Yeah, sorry. Sorry, you know who you are picking on you because we love you. And and we got to have content for a podcast, so we're picking on you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah, if, if, it, if it distracts you enough from it, you know, that you can't step away from that mentally – you know that you're you're giving up an opportunity to train and to go back and get better from yeah. it, etc. Um, and 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 sometimes that's gear, um, but that's still a choice you made. Yeah. The gear is still a choice you made. Just like not doing enough dry fire is still a choice you made. Just like spending not spending the time on the range is a choice you made. Just like not doing PT is a choice you made. You know all those different things. So live with those choices and try and get better within your life, which is kind of a big topic. Yeah. So. Um, to, to bring up the dry fire note, yep. um, you know, we've seen, I'd say in our last 
couple months of training, uh, as Chris and I have increased our dry fire regimens. Yes. I'm using the dry fire timer app, which is brilliant. If yep. you don't have it, go spend the nine bucks on the app store and get it. Yes. Um, a lot of, <clears throat> at least for me, especially for me personally, my training sessions have really turned into validation of the dry fire training. Yep. And being the guy generally writes the training training night curriculum. Yes. Um, I have opportunity to practice and refine a lot of the hard skills we're going to execute ahead of time. Yeah. Um, so it, and it shows and it, yeah, and it, it shows. shows. Yeah. Um, you know, so that all of a sudden your, your actual training really becomes a lot more, you know, what am I doing at home in dry fire? Yeah. What are the hard skills I'm working on there? And then using the live fire range time as validation of that dry fire training. And from what I've seen in the last year and a half, of you doing more of that, two years of you doing more of that, is that it does. It absolutely works. Um, it, and, and it may not lend to like you being the fastest guy on every drill. It may not lend to, it may not lend to you having the tightest group on every drill, but what it does lend to is super, super, super consistency. So even if it's not even if there's somebody who outmarks you on one or the other, it'll be speed or accuracy. It won't be both. The consistency's there. And that's a really big deal in the validation end of it. I think it's a confidence builder, and it also drives you back into saying, "Okay, I know this works, um, so let's let's do more of it." And it's no different than anything else. It's that it's that positive feedback loop where you see the good re- you can see the good result, and you want to do more of it. It works. Yeah. So yeah, and and I and I have been really really guilty of this. Um, you know, when I shot competitively a lot when I was younger, um, I was a whole lot more into the dry fire because I had all the time in the world, and I was a whole lot more into the range time because I had all the time in the world, and Emma was dirt cheap back then. <laughs> Um, you know, I was a college kid who had a couple jobs yeah. and was in the guard and getting paid by the military too. So, I mean, uh, you know, my military money, I, you know, I had some scholarships and stuff. So my, my money going to the, to, to OU probably went more to, you know, some of the ranges down there than it did to OU and a whole bunch of it went to the gun stores to buy ammo yeah. or load or whatever. So, um, but that validation of that dry fire, dry fire still work. Um, it's still something that, you know, you, you gotta, you really need to schedule the time to do it. It's really something where you say, okay, I go to the gym Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, you know, at five 30 in the morning, I go to the gym or I get up and throw kettlebells around or whatever it is that I do. Um, and on one day a week, you know, I do X, Y, Z. Well, even if you only did dry fire one day a week, if you go to the range twice a month or once a month, that's two, you know, that's potentially one or two or three more dry fire sessions you're going to get in so that you can validate those skills. I got a big, a big bump from that doing those transition with the designated target drills because that's what I had spent time on, and there was absolutely no doubt that I could that I was seeing where I needed to go just a little clearer, a little cleaner, a little faster. Um, and now, if I'd work on driving the trigger a little more, maybe that designated target would have been so ugly. So, but yeah, 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 good stuff. Um, I, again, I, I think a lot of this is trying to take your ego out of it. I think in this, and it's the competition end of it too. If you want to go shoot competition, go shoot your game at the best level. You can shoot your game without trying to keep up with the Joneses. Um, maybe there's guys out there at that very, very high level where the ego and the competition aspect is what drives them to be just that few thousands better than the next guy to win. Um, or it's what drives them to let the wheels fall off and lose, you know, to get inside their own head. I don't know if you know which one you are, you know, if you thrive on competition or not. Yeah. Um, and so, and the same thing on the range when you're training, if, if the taking the ego out of it's probably going to put you in a better place, but sometimes having your buddies watch um, adds a little bit of stress to it. Even I mean, it's not the same as getting shot at, but you know, it adds there's a little bit of stress. There's definitely stress involved. There's definitely what is stress it? involved. Dudes watching other dudes. 
Yes, and and throwing gravel at you and mocking you and yeah. you know whatever they can when you do stupid shit because you got in your own head. So it's fun. It is fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also on that, <clears throat> some another point I wanted to make, and I oh no, I I'm to sorry. Make. Uh, for guys switching from iron sights over to dots on handguns, yes, um, the dry fire is really where you learn to make that very smooth and proficient and be able to find your dot every time. Yep. Um, can't, I cannot say that enough. Um, your draw stroke, the refinement on your draw stroke, um, there's maybe three places in the country where they have an ammunition budget big enough yeah. to let you do this, um, yep. with, life, with ammo, with ammo. Yeah. Um, if you're, I can't, I honestly can't imagine anyone who works at one of those three places is listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's on accident yeah. <laughs> or, or they're, or they're being held captive somewhere. And instead of heavy metal music, they're making them listen to our podcast as torture. <laughs> yeah. No, no, yeah. those people are not listening to us. <laughs> um. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. absolutely agree with that. I mean, I, I got, I kind of had a mental cue luck event for me chasing the dot um, learn how to use it, but the, the, I already had fairly good mechanics on the draw stroke, but it does force you to refine them for sure. I would say that my, my draw speed has dropped probably consistently by a third or more of a second from concealment because I've worked on the draw stroke to make sure I'm finding the dot. Um, and it, it, that's one of the things that that's kind of a, a secondary result, but it's awesome. So, but yeah. the dry fire helps that. Yeah, and then if you're concerned with you know being able to switch back and forth between a dot and irons, maybe you got to carry one for work and not yeah. the other. Um, you know, this is also where you can work on being able to comfortably switch between a dot and irons. Yep. Um, generally, I found that being able to go back to irons, like oh wow, this is now really really easy. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I have less problem running. I, I actually think probably I run irons better now. Um, because one of the runs the other night was that whole, hey, how does the switch on this new light work? Screw it. Um, you know, because I could still run the irons without without the light and without fighting with it. Um, and a couple training nights ago, I had a auto adjust on the dot. And when you're outdoors, the light from your gun may not reflect back enough to light up the dot, you know, to make your dot auto adjust. And in both cases, it was like, run the freaking irons and go. Just run, the, you know, it's like come up. Oh, yeah. shit, that's not doing what I want to do. Okay. Oh, well, fight the fight and go on. So, um, that transition though, I think is probably something born of a lot of reps. Yeah. Yeah. So, and going back to the irons was inconsequential from an accuracy perspective. Speed might not have been quite as fast. I don't know, but I don't think it was far off. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, um, when you're, you know, when you're out on the range, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's all right to, it's all right to, to want to try and hang. But when it starts getting in the way of you learning or getting good reps in or distracting from what it is you should be working on, um, you know, ch check your ego, check your ego, get back into what you're supposed to be doing because you're, all you're doing is doing the reps. If you were in the gym um, and somebody's bench pressing 40 more pounds than you, you wouldn't say slap it on and let's try it just to see if I can keep up because your ego's in the way. You'd, you'd probably put in a few extra reps at a lower weight and work through it and hope that you catch up over the next year, not that moment. Yeah. So check, check your ego and do do the work because it's fun too. Mm. Except when it's not, which is most of the time with dry fire. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on that note, as we come across training ideas, other stuff, uh, we try to post it up to our social media. Uh, we don't apologize for not being able to uh, post guns and things on social media. Um, we get 
slapped by the bots from meta when we do that because yep. they're a bunch of commie bastards. Yep. Um, yeah, but do follow us along Facebook and Instagram. We're Cap City Outfitters on Facebook. We're Cap City Outfitters 2 on Instagram. Uh, also, on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer, how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Also, on the website, you can sign up for our email newsletter that comes out on Fridays. Or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. We'll add you to the newsletter list. Um, and then we are here in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. We're in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. We're here Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 5, and on Saturdays from 10 to 3. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Really appreciate it.